your boy, your host, George Mackay, back in studio again today, pre-recorded as I always do during this COVID-19 period of life that we are in. And I got a sweet one today. Please let me welcome the remix of pro wrestling, Kevin Bennett, to Straight Talk Wrestling. How are you, sir? Hey, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited to talk to you. Um, you and I share a lot of similarities, and I think things we like, things we're interested in, one being obviously wrestling. Two being rap music, hip-hop. I'm a very big fan of that style of music. So I think you and I are going to have one hell of a conversation today. Hey, let's do it, man. I'm ready. All right, so Kevin, the first question I always ask is kind of my standard go-to question. Uh, I call it the defining moment. It's that moment you remember falling in love with wrestling. All right, so that's an easy one for me. So um, I would say I was about seven years old, and I had a buddy that um, lived down the street from me. And he would usually bring over his Nintendo 64 games. And I remember him specifically telling me one day that he had this really cool wrestling game. And it was called No Mercy. So he ended up bringing that over. He's like, man, you got to see this. Uh, There's a bunch of wrestlers jumping off of ladders and doing flips and stuff. And, you know, I, I knew of wrestling at the time, but, like, I never really you know, looked too much into it, I guess. So I wasn't, like, very familiar with it until he showed me this video game. And, you know, just playing the game for some reason just really drew me in, man. I don't know. It was it was just, like, a crazy experience. I was, like, addicted to that game when I started playing it. So that was, like, my first um, real, like, moment with wrestling where it really set in. Well, that was a great game. I mean, I think everybody, if you're a wrestling fan or if you played wrestling games, No Mercy on the 64 was probably the peak of uh, graphics and wrestling games at the time period for sure. So I would have to agree with you on that one, man. That was a crazy game. I think I still have that somewhere. I have my old 64. I may have to drag that out and replay it again, man. You got me. You got my interest peaked on that one for sure. <laughs> yeah, oh, no, I, I definitely still play it here and there. I mean, that's probably the only game system i will probably ever play for the rest of my life sorry to say but i'm not like a huge video game guy but nintendo 64 is like my thing and it always will be oh absolutely there was a lot of great titles on there that i could think of uh i mean shit you had the metroid was pretty decent on that you're obviously super mario mario kart uh there were so many so many great games on that system actually one of my personal favorites was uh this may make me sound really old, but Mario Golf. When Mario Golf came out for that system, I was like, yo, this changed my life. <laughs> Dude, they're all good. I honestly believe every game in uh, Nintendo 64 is just super fun to play. But maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just biased towards the console. Well, that's okay. You and I are, are biased towards it together. That probably, hands down, is still one of my favorite classic consoles for sure. For sure. I agree with oh, you on that. <laughs> So uh, a lot of interesting things to talk about you with your career. One of the things I absolutely love is um, the fluidity you have with bringing hip-hop into wrestling. And you're not just a wrestler. A lot of people uh, need to understand it if they don't know who you are. You are also the creative, uh, uh, if you will, um, a theme song intro guy for most of the dudes at ESW. You've created their theme songs. Uh, you actually, I believe, doing my research as I always do, there was an article I was reading on uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight highlighting indie wrestlers and it was your article that they were talking about and it specified uh how you um you've done a lot of the intros for the guys uh guys like daniel garcia so forth and so on daniel garcia is the only guy who can come to mind right now but uh music is also kind of in your blood as as much as wrestling has and if i remember correctly 
uh, you hooked up with, I believe it was your brother or your cousin's friends, and kind of took you under your wing and helped you kind of develop your uh, love and, and, and learning how to be a producer for music as well, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yeah, so it was, uh, yeah, it was my older brother's friend group, and he introduced me to their music by popping in a CD in his car, and just at that moment, I was just so blown away that you could actually put music on a, a CD. You know, I, I was probably, this is probably around the same time that I discovered, you know, that No Mercy game. So this is like all happening at the same time for me. Um, so yeah, like when I figured out that, you know, you could actually make music yourself, I, I just went in and, you know, as I got older, I progressively ended up researching everything. And, you know, once I ended up, you know, getting a hold of the internet and Googling and figuring out, you know, what everything was, then I just, I never stopped. It was just all research, research, learn how to do this. I just fell in love with music and just never stopped. So yeah, I was, they, they were definitely the, uh, the influence to spark it. Absolutely. And I mean, I could see by the, the theme songs that you've done and how creative they are. But one thing I absolutely love is I love the hip hop character. I know that wasn't kind of the evolution of where you started and we'll get into that. But one thing I absolutely do love is how every time you're facing someone, for the most part, you do kind of like a diss track promo on the individual that you're facing. Uh, a couple of the ones that stand out to mind was the one on Danhausen. I absolutely love that one. I thought it was fantastic. Uh, you've done some on Garcia. You've done some on, you know, a couple guys in Smash and all that kind of stuff. And uh, another thing people may not know, but when Pokemon Go was at the height of its, I guess you'd say, popularity a couple of years ago when it came out, uh, you actually did uh, a song where you literally listed, I believe it was 150 or 155 Pokemon, and how you spun it, how you moved the song through. And that actually got a lot of play. I think it got close to almost a million views on Facebook, 250,000 on YouTube, and I believe you had 25,000 streams on SoundCloud. That's pretty damn incredible, man. Oh, yeah, definitely. I definitely cap capitalized on the right time. And the thing was, is that I wasn't even really trying to do that. I think it just kind of happened. Because I was getting in the, you know, in the swing of, you know, making like relevant songs, like things that would be interesting, but I had no idea that it was gonna blow up the way that it did. And yeah, it was it was crazy. I think I literally uploaded the song at like, midnight. And uh, I woke up to like, craziness like news stations hitting me up and uh buzzfeed and all these like super yeah viral websites and everything it was crazy man it just kind of like took me off guard because i didn't really you know think anything of it well i gotta say i listened to the song right before we actually got on that's why i called you about a minute late i just finished listening up to it again for like the fourth or fifth time and then i gotta tell you it, it, how you did it i don't know how you did it 150 plus Pokemon, and you listed them pretty much almost in alphabetical order. It was insane. It was almost like, uh, I don't know if you know who Papoose is, but the alphabetical slaughter. It was almost the same thing, but done in a Pokemon style. I was really impressed, so kudos to you for that. I couldn't have the ability to do that, but kudos to you for doing it. And you did it well, too. It wasn't cheese ball at all. It was 100% well. And good for you. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. It takes a lot of patience for, for that kind of stuff, too. And it's funny that we're talking about it right now because I'm doing uh, – are you a fan of The Simpsons by any chance? Oh, of course. I mean, if you don't know who The Simpsons are, you must be living under a rock for the last 30-plus years. <laughs> well, I'm doing a song just like that with The Simpsons. Oh. Um, and literally, dude, I'm after this interview, I'm, I'm going to be recording it. I'm just almost done writing it. But the only difference is with The Simpsons is that they literally have, like – 
600 characters and there's no way that I would be able to fit them all <laughs> unless it was like a 20 minute song but I don't think I can go that far no, but I have like a decent amount of them in there so it, it's going to be pretty cool it's like a 4 minute you know long Simpson song so it, it should be pretty cool well, you make sure you tag me in that when you drop it, because I will be sharing the hell out of it and preparing to drop this interview when it drops in August. That's for sure. Oh, <laughs> hell yeah, man. You keep me posted. All right, let's circle back a little bit. So we, we figured out the defining moment where you fell in love with wrestling, how you kind of got into music. It was all around the same time. But when did you decide that, you know what, I'm going to pursue wrestling and obviously music at the same time. But when did you decide that you were going to pursue wrestling, get into it? How did you get into it? And who did you train with in the beginning when you started all this? Okay, so um, I remember the first indie show that I went to, I believe it was called um, Next Era Wrestling, which was in Rochester. And this is around the time when I first, you know, I got a hold of the internet and you know, um, knew that you could look things up, Google it and everything. <laughs> I wanted to know if there was wrestling around me. And um, Rochester is about an hour and a half from me. So I was like, all right, we have wrestling around here. I think I was about 13 years old. Um, me and a couple of my buddies went to that indie show. Our parents brought us. Um, we paid admission, thought it was the craziest thing. You know, like we've watched wrestling on TV, but seeing it, live for the first time was just you know like you can't really put it into words so like i remember during intermission you know when they're all selling their t-shirts we would go around and you know shake all the wrestlers hands and the one question i would ask every single one of them was um you know like how we can get involved how old do we have to be in order to train because we want to be wrestlers too and you know they're looking at us like just like 13 year old kids like uh, whatever, you know, 16 years old, I believe, is is when you're allowed to train. So maybe we'll see you kids in three years or whatever. Like, nobody took us seriously, but all right, 16 years old, that was it. Like, we're going to start training at 16 years old. But the thing about us was um, we did not want to wait at all. We wanted to start then and now. So we were huge into backyard wrestling. And backyard wrestling has the stereotype that, you know, weapons going through tables light tubes all that kind of stuff we we were not like that whatsoever we just literally wanted to learn how to wrestle and i knew for a fact that that's what i wanted to do as an adult and i knew that it wasn't going to be a phase i i I knew i wasn't going to end up growing out of it anytime soon so literally man like uh my parents bought me a wrestling ring when i was 13 years old so um we ended up befriending this guy. His name was Danny Danger. I don't know if you're familiar with him at all. I have heard the name before a couple other times. I've interviewed a lot of cats kind of in your area, but I don't know him all that well. I will be completely honest. All right. Well, yeah, he's he retired a little while ago, but he was, he was a fellow backyard wrestler as well at the time, but he was transitioning into being a professional wrestler. Like, he was already uh, training – and but he was like still kind of backyarding at the time so he was making that move to you know like having his first couple of matches and everything and and uh we were good friends with him online so like he was professionally trained and saw that we literally wanted to do this and he saw that we had a ring so he literally traveled from eastern pennsylvania all the way up to buffalo (laughs) to train us at 13 14 years old so we had training 
from practically just like a stranger that we we knew online that wanted to help us and he did he literally came up bunches of times showed us all the basics at such a young age and um you know, when we actually started training for for real like if you want to call it a school like with esw everybody was shocked that me and my buddies already kind of had the experience and i didn't want to tell them that you know, we had training in the in the backyard because it was frowned upon. Not like today, how everybody thinks yarding is cool. At the time, it was like, you do that, then, you know, we kind of just like, you know, the hell with you kind of thing. Like, frowned upon it. So, yeah, man, like, my training literally uh, starts in the backyard, and then I literally picked up just more things along the way with, like, ESW and uh, Brandon Thurston um, Will Calrigian and uh, Pepper Parks. Literally, I just took a, all these guys' knowledge and then just blended it into my own. Well, I mean, you, you learn from some impressive guys because when I've watched some matches of you, and we'll get into two of my favorite matches of yours in a little bit, when I watch matches with you, I mean, you're fluid. You, you know the business. You know how to work the ring. You know how to tell a story. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about wrestling is that it's storytelling first. It's an art form first. And then all the athleticism and all that stuff, that's, that can all be taught. But how you engage the audience, how you move the match forward, how you get to those big moments that you're supposed to get into the match to make the fans jump out of their seat. You do that as well as anybody I've ever seen. And it's not kissing your ass. I mean, I've never met you in person. But from what I've seen online, I appreciate you. I appreciate the talent that you bring to the business. I mean, if I can get anybody to give me time on my show, I'm grateful. But really, honestly, and truly, in doing the research that I do to prepare for these interviews so I don't look like a complete jackass that doesn't know what he's talking about, a couple matches that I've seen you in, I've watched online. And again, thank God for the internet. Because if I didn't have the internet, I would go into a lot of these interviews blind and I'd be sitting there looking like a moron. And having a wrestling podcast <laughs> and looking like a moron doesn't make sense. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, of course, yeah. I appreciate that, though, man. I really do. Uh, absolutely, and I give credit where credit is due. But what one thing I do want to highlight to all my listeners out there that they may not know about you is that, like I said, you're not just a wrestler. You're not just a musician. You are also a creative guy behind the scenes. You've done all the intros. You do a lot of the video uh, promos beforehand, kind of getting the crowd hyped up for the events, especially for ESW. And uh, I think people should understand that you kind of are a jack-of-all-trades. You're an audio engineer. All these things behind the scenes that a lot of people don't realize as much as you're a performer out in front of the audience – when you go back behind the curtain, you may take a breath for a few minutes, but it's right back to working. It's right back to doing stuff. And that's what a lot of people don't understand about how great the indie community is. It's a very big community, but it's also very small. And reputation counts. And uh, you've been hooked up over here with one of the big promotions out here in Ontario, which is Smash Wrestling. And you've had a few barn burners there. Uh, you've worked with some of the best. I mean, Sebastian Suave, Tyson Dukes. Uh, you were the uh, Smash Wrestling champion back in 2019. And a couple of the matches that I do want to get into now because I find them really, really interesting is um, my favorite match with you all time is with one of who I consider the best striker in wrestling. I said that to him when I did his interview with him, and I 100% still stand by it. But that's Speedball Mike Bailey. I believe you had a match with him last year when he did his Smash Wrestling debut in London at Louder Now. Uh, that match was incredible. Uh, I'm pretty sure you probably remember that match because when you fight Speedball Mike Bailey, you feel it the next morning. <laughs> oh, I remember actually. That's uh, that match. I hurt my my ankle, or actually no, it was my heel, really bad. I did like a a backflip from the apron, just <laughs> landing 
on the ground, dude. I don't know what happened. I think I bruised my heel so bad, though. It was the worst pain ever, but I still finished the match. You did. You finished the match, and it was quite the story. And again, it's that art form. It's that storytelling. It, it really is a dance. When you're in the ring with somebody, that's your dance partner across the ring, and you've got to move this story. And it's not an easy thing to do when there's no words. Yeah, okay, you could cut a promo here and there. Maybe in, in terms of you and your character, you can cut a diss track on the other opponent. But when you get in the ring, there's really not much talking. Yeah, occasionally the fans can hear the smack talk that happens in the ring. If you stomp somebody in the corner and then you call them a bitch or something like that. Fans hear it. Fans love it. Fans either boo or or they cheer. And, and again, reaction is what counts. If the fans are making noise, then you're doing your job right. If the fans are stone cold silent, then you've lost them and you're not doing your job right at all. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. I've been there, man. <laughs> Oh, you've been on both sides of the coin, have you? You've had the fans making oh, noise, yeah. but you've had... Oh, okay. Well, then we got to get into that. Well, I'll hold my questions about this match for a second. But tell me about one of those moments where you didn't have the crowd kind of working with you. Well, I guess it depends on the circumstance and where you are. Because sometimes, honestly, like, for example, like, have you ever been to, I don't know, like a fair show or something like that, where it's not really a place for wrestling, but they just put a wrestling ring right in the middle of, like, a carnival or something, and then, you know, expect people to come and, and watch the wrestling, like it's some sort of attraction. Yeah, I've, I've, been been to, one of oh, I've been to a few of those shows, and you're right. The crowds over there are less than enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, that's just an example, though. I mean, I've been to actual, you know, wrestling shows where literally people are silent, and then it just, it's obviously irritating because it's like, you know, why did you pay a ticket to, to be here if, if you're just going to, you know, I mean, maybe maybe some people just like to spectate, you know? Like, I guess I have no problem with that, but it's like, that's just not really what wrestling is, in my opinion. You know, I feel like there should be no wrestling without a crowd that is reacting, you know? I mean, that's like half the reason that we really even do it, or most of the reason is to, you know, feed off the crowd's energy and, you know, give people a solid performance, and then, you know, if they're enjoying it, they're into it, like, that's just what it is, like, the... You need the crowd in order to, to wrestle and like have a great match, you know? That's what I think. Oh, I 100% agree with you, and that's the challenge right now in the, the kind of life that we're living in this moment with COVID is that those big promotions are trying to find something, and they tried to do it without a crowd for so long, and it didn't work. And then they kind of brought in their up-and-coming talent and put them in the audience, and that kind of seemed to give the feel of a little bit of normalcy, but it was hard to watch those few shows where there was no crowd and you have the wrestlers still coming out and panning to the camera and doing the poses for the crowd. And like, even when they kick somebody, the reaction will be, come on. And you'll be sitting there going, well, who are you saying come on to the two commentators or the four cameramen? I'm not sure. Who yeah. You're... <laughs> like the people on TV watching, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not sure. Yeah, who... You're not going to hear me screaming for you. Like in my living room. Like, I wish you could hear me, man, but you can't. <laughs> yeah. And that's what you, that's what you hope for. And kudos to the bigger promotions to still try to give us wrestling in this time period. But I'm pretty sure you can agree with me is that the indie feel, there's something special about it. There is an electricity because when those fans pay that 20 bucks or 30 bucks or whatever it may be to go see a show, I've never been, I've been lucky enough, at least here in Ontario for sure, and I think you can attest that being with Smash Wrestling as long as you've been with them, is that there is something electric about a live crowd, especially in those small intimate venues when you only get about 100 or 200 or maybe even 300 people depending on the size of your venue, and it just gets lit up. You know what I mean? And the crowd just gives you that extra push. Whether you're a heel or face, you appreciate the crowd. And that's 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 oh, what exactly. I love about wrestling. 
A hundred percent. Yeah, independent wrestling shows, man, like they just have that. It's it's like that personal feeling, you know. And, you know, I've wrestled in front of pretty big crowds. And, um, yeah, I guess like like even if, if you were wrestling a show, we'll say, for example, Smash Wrestling, like if, you, you know, you pack, we'll just say 50 people in like a super small area, but these 50 fans are going crazy, you know, as opposed to you know, like a big arena with hundreds and hundreds of people that are all spread out, you know, it's like that small environment is so much crazier and so much more energetic, you know, just because, you know, it's just so much more personal. It's so much more up in your face. Like you're right there. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's what I think is so special about indie wrestling is just the, yeah, that very intimate connection between wrestling and the fans oh i 100% agree i mean i love the big stuff i love the big spectacles that you know the bigger promotions put on but there's something about that gritty that raw feel of the indie scene that keeps me coming back and that's why i decided to start this thing almost three years ago and to highlight some of this amazing talent and now i can you know check mark kevin bennett the remix of pro wrestling if you will i can check him off the list and i'm excited about that um, so let's talk about that speedball Mike Bailey match again. So yeah, you definitely, you, you fucked up your heel and you could see it in the match, but you finished the match like a true professional. You went out there, you finished the job, you completed the work. But I mean, I gotta say those combos, the speed you two showed, it, it, you could tell that there was some instant chemistry right there. And I don't know if you wrestled Mike Bailey before then, but it looked like you guys had had a long history before you even stepped in the ring together. Well, yeah, that's the thing. We've never wrestled before ever. <laughs> So that's always cool, man. Like, yeah, every, everything was great. I thought that um, the match was awesome, despite my heel being all messed up. Um, he's serious. Like, he's the real deal, 100%. And uh, I was definitely, uh, like, going into the match, um, you know, just kind of curious as to how it was going to be just because of his style, you know? Like, he's – our styles are totally different, you know? But for some reason, I feel like me, depending on – I feel like I'm the type of guy, it doesn't matter who you throw me in the ring with, I feel like we're going to have a good match. And I think that that's just the way that my style is. I feel like I can blend in anywhere. And maybe that's just me saying that, but out of all of the experiences that I've had in wrestling, it's always went that way for some reason. I feel like I'm just that guy that can have a match with anybody. Well, I feel I feel that too. I mean, this is the first time you and I are speaking, and if anybody was listening to this episode... You know, for the first time, they're like, wow, these guys must know each other. But we've never met. <laughs> this is this is exactly, the first yeah, conversation. Good chemistry. <laughs> exactly, good chemistry, 100%. So before we get into my other favorite match with you, I want to talk character. Because I know the remix of Pro Wrestling, Kevin Bennett, I know that wasn't always the original. That was the end game for sure. That's where we are now. And the hip-hop style. But I believe that in the beginning when you were developing this character, you didn't really want to uh, bring the hip-hop into it because you didn't want to be labeled as, I guess you'd say, a John Cena-type character from back in the day with the Thugonomics. Am I right about that? You are 100% correct because, I mean, everything has a stereotype, but, you know, like, I don't know, white rapper most of the time just kind of has that, you know, corny vibe to it. You know, like, I... Even to this day, I still hate telling people that I'm a rapper just because I know what they're thinking in their head. They're like, oh, what do you do? What kind of music do they make or, or, or do you make? Like, they're probably expecting me to say, like, I play the saxophone or something. I don't know. But, um, 
literally, man, that, that was just kind of a fear in it. And I really didn't want to be that duplicate, like, um, yeah, John Cena, R-Truth type of thing, Malibu is most wanted. But the thing is, is that I feel like it's different because I know, not to sound cocky, but I, I know that I'm, like, good at what I do. So it, it, it took a lot for me to actually want to put them together. I needed the confidence, though, and I needed the reassurance from other people that it was the right move to make. And then finally, you know, I brought them together, man, and it, it was the best decision of my life because I feel like myself because it, it is me, 100%. Well, it is, and I, I think you actually, you're right when you say you actually do it and you do it very well. You don't do it like, you know, John Cena had a couple great one-liners for sure. I mean, definitely we all enjoyed when we saw the most idiotic person in the world, Kevin Federline, get his face smashed in. We all remember that moment, and we all love it. We all appreciate it for what it was. And our truth for oh, sure, yeah. he comes out and he goes, yeah, you know, what's up? Yeah, it's great, but give me more. And I think you do. And that's one of the things I love about the character is the rapping is on point. It's catchy. It's fun. It's great. But what I love is how you incorporate the diss track on who you're facing. A couple ones I mentioned earlier. The Dan Housen one, absolutely fantastic. The one you did on Psycho Mike. I mean, I, I, I've interviewed Psycho Mike. He's Him and I, we know each other. He's a very cool dude. Uh, that one was also amazing. That one actually, uh, you kind of turned me on to you for a minute. I was like, okay, well, I like Psycho Mike, but I want to see what this guy's all about because this, this track is hilarious. And it was. And it's, and it's hilarious, but not in a bad way, in a great way because you literally pick apart your opponent you decimate them, you embarrass them, and then we end up just having to wait. It makes you get more hyped up for the match. So I think that's, again, a credit to, to you and your ability with music because you really, really, really tell a fantastic story. And your promos are fresh and they're different. I've seen a lot of rapper-type characters, but the way you do it, you do it smart. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, I feel like with the diss tracks, um, I feel like... I feel like I can never run out of ideas. That, that's the, the cool part about it. Like, I feel like the creativity is endless and you can literally do whatever. Because, like, I don't know if you've been seeing any of my recent material that I've been coming out with, like my quarantine uh, rap songs that I've been putting out. I have. I do follow um, you. I follow your YouTube page quite, uh, quite religiously. So, for sure. I, I have enjoyed those as well. All right. So, yeah, you've seen, like, you know, making a song out of, like, a toaster and, like, a toilet right just like random household things yep well that, that's what i'm saying man like you can literally put anything in front of me and i know that yeah the creativity i could go anywhere with it so it's like you know like you hand me speedball mike bailey i have never never done a track on him but i know that i could do anything with speedball mike bailey and make a killer song out of it and make you want to see the match just based off of this music video that i make so that's the fun part about it Absolutely, absolutely. And if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, please go hit up the Kevin Bennett YouTube page. Subscribe, like, hit that notification bell because I trust you. The content is incredible. And trust me when I say this, you will be entertained. And you can go back through all the archives and listen to all these fantastic diss tracks that we're talking about today. Um, Kevin, another match I got to highlight with you because I'm going to be actually interviewing this man in a couple of days after I speak with you. And both interviews will be dropping in August is, uh, I mean, you've had so many matches with this guy in ESW. You've had massive matches with him in, in Smash. Uh, and you know, I think I, I think you know exactly where I'm going with this, is Red Death Daniel Garcia. This is another guy who I've had the pleasure of seeing twice now, once at Destiny, once at Crossbody. 
and this guy lights it up. His power, his speed is incredible, but I think, again, the match with you and him is something that stands the test of time. There's the one that you guys did at ESW back in December of 2018, and there's also the one you did in Smash Wrestling. Um, uh, you can check it out again on YouTube, Smash Wrestling's YouTube page. Um, it was uh, September 22nd, 2019, last year, when life was good, when wrestling was good. And there was so much shows and so much content you can get to. Now we're just stuck with the big promotions. But the world is slowly moving into Space 3. Places are opening up. I have a lot of friends in the U.S. I know there's shows opening up over there. I'm a little jealous, but we want to be safe and we want to be, want to be, you know, make sure it's all done in a safe and uh, collective way so nobody gets sick and we stop this virus dead in its tracks. But those two matches for me with Daniel Garcia, they stand the test of time. I actually watched them months ago. When, you know, you get bored, you're tired with what's on TV, you go back, you start looking for fresh content that you've never seen. And that's when I stumbled upon you. And those matches, I, I can't say enough about them. Two different storylines, two different matches, two great stories that are both separate and stand the test of time by themselves. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, those, uh, those matches are some of my favorites that I've had, actually. Garcia is super talented and he's just one of those guys that i have the chemistry with well and you also did his intro theme song if i'm not mistaken correct oh yeah that's another thing is that red death daniel garcia is a big hip-hop fan so um yeah he asked me to make a beat for him and i did it and i, I feel like i came up with a pretty good one for him that, that suits him pretty well oh you did i've heard his theme song twice and every time i hear it i sit there and i just bottle my head at the Destiny show, when he premiered at Destiny, I was bobbing my head. I was like, that was the first time I seen him. I was like, I like this guy. I'm going to have to check him out a little <laughs> bit more. And it was just off the intro. And I think that's a testament to you because I think, again, in reading that article, uh, one of the things that you got started on with the music was that that's another thing that triggered you to wrestling was because when you actually did get into wrestling, you would just buy, you would just watch the shows just for the theme songs, right? A lot of times you were just watching it for the music to see how it flowed and played with the character. And I got to be honest, if I go back and I look at some great theme songs of all time, I mean, Shawn Michaels, Sexy Boy, stands the test of time for sure. D-Generation X, I mean, Triple H, uh, Bow Down to the King, uh, you know, uh, King of Kings, uh, so many great songs. Um, all About the Game, another great song, Motorhead. Uh, there's so many great theme songs that highlight the character perfectly. And then there are some bad theme songs. There are some theme songs where you sit there and you go, how in the hell did this ever, somebody ever consider this to be music? Right. <laughs> but am I wrong in saying that, that as well, when you were younger and getting into wrestling and stuff like that, that you were more, you were also very interested in the theme songs or in the intro songs when the wrestlers were coming out? Well, that was the thing, man. Like I, I pretty much dropped wrestling by the time that I got addicted to these theme songs, I was just like, man, I don't even care about the in-ring. Like, for some reason, I just really love this whole theme song entrance type of thing. Like, I remember I collected all the CDs. I remember when I got a hold of the internet. I, do you remember what LimeWire was? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> yes, LimeWire oh, Napster. Man. To any young kids that are listening, uh, Apple Music wasn't a thing till about three years ago. So back in the day when you didn't want to buy music, you would steal it. You would steal it 100% off the internet. And I think Kevin and I are okay in admitting that. 
Right, yeah. LimeWire was the big thing, dude. And that's what I would do. I would go on LimeWire, and I would be the happiest kid in the world if I found, like, a new updated version of somebody's theme song. Like, I remember I couldn't find Ultimo Dragon's theme song for the longest time. Uh, but I remember being so jealous, because I remember I had um, I had the PlayStation 2, uh, Here Comes the Pain, I remember that version that I wanted of Ultimo Dragon's theme song was in the game, but I couldn't get it off of the game. I couldn't, like, rip it off of the CD just because I, I didn't know how to do that yet. And, it, you know, the technology obviously gets better as the years go by. But I remember, <laughs> I think I ended up hooking up, um, like, a separate TV or something, and I think I ended up, like, popping in a, like a, like, just a video cassette, like a blank one. And I just ran some chords like to the other TV, and then ended up somehow recording the theme songs from the video games onto that cassette tape, so that I could go and play them elsewhere. So, like, if I wanted to, you know, wrestle with my friends in the yard, and they had a VHS, I could pop in those theme songs, and we could listen to them. Like, that's how addicted I was to this. And, dude, the theme songs just like changed my life. And, I mean, obviously, you could tell nowadays. Oh, absolutely. And I mean, you know what, but a, a, an entrance song and a theme song, I think it's a vital component of the character. And I'm excited to talk about this because I've never really had somebody who's kind of had the same wavelength and thinking that I have. But that 10, 15 seconds or 30 seconds as a wrestler's walking out to the ring, that entrance song can make or break them. And a lot of people more so associate the entrance song with the character. It's like, hey, man, do you remember, you remember, uh, you know, Shawn Michaels? Oh, yeah, the guy came out, Sexy Boy, yeah, I remember, I'm just the Sexy Boy, and people will, will start singing it, Kurt Angle, like, Kurt Angle comes out, you hear the Kurt Angle theme song, and all you want to do is yell, you suck, because it works. Exactly, it it gives a wrestler an identity, that's 100% what it is, it's, that's who they are, you know, you hear it, you think of them immediately, like, even just the Steve Austin, like, the, uh, you know, the glass shattering, like, you hear that literally for a split second you know exactly what is about to go down and it just amps you the hell up man you know like that's just the crazy power of music and you need it in pro wrestling if you didn't have music it wouldn't be pro wrestling no it would just be a bunch of people walking out to a ring and just rolling around it wouldn't have that flair and that style <laughs> i completely agree with you exactly i completely agree with you this has been a great conversation man i, I want to take the time to Thank you again for giving me the time. We're almost done. We're almost going to wrap up. Got a few more questions for you. But another thing that's uh, <clears throat> interesting to me is congratulations. Because I know you recently became a father about a year or two ago, right? Yeah, she's going to be two in, in October. So time's a flying. Congratulations. My 10-year-old was also born in October. I have a 10-year-old daughter and I have a four-year-old daughter who is a complete hellraiser. So I hope your two-year-old is a little bit more well-behaved than my four-year-old. But um, I don't think so, man. She she is out of her mind. She's jumping off the damn couch already, doing front flips. It's it's crazy. It's a lot to deal with. Yeah, I taught my four year old how to do an arm bar. I've almost got her set up on the figure four leg lock, and I did teach her how to do a, a sleeper hold. And she actually almost made me pass out one time. So uh, you know, she's she's learning quite well. But isn't it? It's awesome, man. Being a being a father. I mean, boy or girl doesn't matter as long as the child is healthy. And it sounds like your two year old is completely healthy. But you know what? I mean, being a girl dad, I mean, you could, you and I could talk about this as well. Because I have two daughters, you have a daughter. Being a girl dad, it's something a little bit more special, right? A hundred percent. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, well, I don't know what it's like to have a son. But, but 
I, I for some reason knew that I just knew it in my heart that I was going to be a girl dad. And I remember all my family members, like my brothers mostly, would always make fun of me. And, and they would say, Kevin, for some reason, you're going to be the one with the girls. Because my family, on my dad's side, there are no girls at all. No oh, wow. So I'm literally first, yeah, of um, because my grandfather, he, he was adopted, so we don't really know, um, you know, like his parents. But, you know, when he had my dad and my uncle, they all produced boys. And, like, there's just a whole bunch of boys. And, like, my brother ended up having a son. So it was like, man, when are these girls going to sprout up? And they kept pointing fingers at me. They're like, we know you are going to have the girl for whatever reason. And that's exactly what happened. They cursed me, man. And now I got <laughs> this beautiful girl who is literally insane jumping off the walls. Well, she's the best of both of you, right? She's the best of you and your girlfriend. And that's what makes that's what makes her the best. And you know what? Now the family lineage can continue. Because if you already say she's doing front flips off the couch, when she's 13, you could show her some, you know, incognito backyard wrestling tips. She could start training. And before you know it, we could see like we could see like the next generation of Bennett's in the squared circle. I think that's a pretty cool idea. I think I've already got everything really, set up. Yeah, I mean, I really don't think that it's that much of a reach. She, my girlfriend, obviously does not want her a part of wrestling whatsoever. <laughs> but just just judging by the way that she is now, I know, you know, she's she's not even two yet. But man, she's like, she's got some of the, those vibes, man. And I, I can tell that she's gonna be somewhat of an athlete when she gets older. So if it's wrestling, then there's nothing I can really do about it. Nope. And the more you, you got to tell your girlfriend, the more you try to hold her back, the more she's going to do it just to spite you guys. It's going to be 10 times worse. Oh, a hundred. It, it as it goes for, you know, stay off the couch. It, it, don't climb on my computer desk. Don't do this. She's doing it anyways. And she knows that she's not supposed to, but she's going to. I, I, I love it. <laughs> I love that. There's somebody out there that can feel my pain. Being a girl dad is the most amazing thing ever. But when they do something just to spite you, like my 10-year-old, she's already got the 13-year-old attitude, man. The other day she was playing Fortnite, and I came downstairs. I'm like, dude, I got to edit. When you go upstairs, I need a little bit of quiet here. She's like, well, why don't you just put your headphones on? I was like, because I want the room. I want the ambiance. She's like, well, that sucks for you because I'm playing. I was like, cool, awesome, no problem. Here, I unplugged the PlayStation <laughs> right in the middle of her game. Listen, don't mess with dad. Oh, At the end of the day, dad is still reigning supreme in this house. I am not dead. I am not, you know, 75 years old. You will show me the respect I asked for. And then she just looked at me and she just went upstairs. She stomped her feet upstairs. He always does this to me. He's always so rude to me. It's like, I'm not rude. I'm just telling you that now it's my turn in my <laughs> computer room. Like, show me a little bit of respect. Uh, so, yep. you know, we'll have to revisit those moments when your yours gets 10. I mean, I definitely will talk and we'll meet before then. But when yours hits the age of 10 and mine's almost 20... You and I can revisit, and you can say, George, what's the next stage like? Like, And I could be like, Kevin, the next stage is very hard. It's really hard. See all my gray hair? That's where the, the next stage came from, was all this gray hair. All of it. Oh, 100%, man. I, I don't really look forward to those days, but I know they're coming. So. <laughs> yeah, but you know we look forward to the first date days. I don't know about you, but I'm going to reenact the scene from Bad Boys 2 until one of the boyfriends, or the, one of these boys that is brave enough to take my daughters out, shits their pants. Once they do that, I'll stop. Oh yeah, yeah, that's gonna be crazy because yeah, I have a lot of I have a lot of friends, like a lot of you know guys that I, I grew up with, very young age, like friends that um, 
you know, I've just had for years and years. And she already knows them all as her uncles. So it's like, you know, if these boyfriends want to step in there, there is just too much testosterone that they're going to have to go up against in order to be approved by me, you know? (laughs) Absolutely, man. Absolutely. Well, good luck to those boys, because if you're ever going to take out Kevin Bennett's daughter, you better be ready. That's just all I'm going to say is you better, you better pray to God that you walk out of that house alive. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, for sure. All right, Kevin, you know what? Uh, another question that's burned a hole in my pocket uh, because you're a hip-hop head, I'm a hip-hop head. Daniel Garcia is a hip-hop head, so I'm going to have to ask him the same question when I sit down with him. Uh, influences. Who are some of your influences in the world of hip-hop? Uh, I can name my top five if you need time to think about or you can name yours, and then I'll name off mine. And again, the top five, they always change, but I've got my five solid you know, rappers that I appreciate and love for who they are. Right, okay. Let me hear yours first. I want to hear, hear All right, what in, you got. In, in no particular order, uh, Nas, uh, Notorious B.I.G., Eminem, uh, Old School 50 Cent, like first two to three albums, even the mixtape stuff. After, you know, Curtis with I Got Money, I kind of tuned out, I'll be completely honest. I do love his production skills, though, in TV, Power, one of the best shows ever. Uh, and then um, as, an, as, as a, a strong fifth to kind of round everybody out, I got to say DMX. I love that. What's my name? That's kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's kind of on my workout playlist. Uh, those songs always get me hyped up. So that's kind of my my solid top five right there. Yeah, no, that's great, man. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I I really started getting into to rap like when I really wanted to pursue it myself seriously. Um, it, it was the uh, like the Dirty South age. Nice, so nice. That was when I like. 50 Cent was huge then. So, like, that was my dude. 50 Cent was, like, everything I wanted to be. And so, yeah, like, you're right. Like, the old school 50 Cent, that was, that was like, all me, man, 100%. Um, but, like, I would say, like, when, when I first, you know, like, discovered hip-hop, that was obviously the influence for my brother, who was always, you know, carting me around in his vehicle, playing CDs, he was huge on Tupac, big on Tupac, big on Biggie Smalls. Uh, he loved Jay-Z and DMX, also playing Eminem. So it's like, I would say that we pretty much have like the same type five. Like it's just that same like type of generation. So it's like that time period, man, like it was definitely taking a mixture of all those styles and then just kind of blending one of my own today. So like all those influences, man, like just from that area or that time period, it's just like it hits me with the nostalgia now, you know, just talking about it. But um, yeah, like I said, Fifty Cent. <laughs> I mean, a lot of people like to kind of hate on Fifty Cent, like in his rap skills. But I don't care, man. That dude was the best. Absolutely, dude. Many men, okay, uh, Wangster, uh, in the club. Uh, those are all like mainstream yeah. stuff. But you also got to go with, uh, you know, uh, I, I, Rob, Rob anybody, or I'll rob everybody. I can't remember the name of the song right now. But there's so many great songs and uh yeah you just you got to give it up there's even one track that i absolutely love on his second album um uh the massacre uh where he talks from the perspective of being the heroin needle and i can't remember the name of the song it's gonna bother me i'll have to message you after um but it was one of my all-time favorite songs it's on his sophomore album and uh it was the best there's one line that sticks out to me it's like you know i hope you come and see me even if you gotta steal, even if you gotta steal and sell your mama's TV, <laughs> oh, still gets oh. me every time, man. I gotta. I, now it's gonna bother me, but I will have to. 
I'm sure you've heard the track. I'm going to have to go and uh, research the name of it. But yeah, Old School 50 Cent, like I said, those first two albums, uh, mainstream albums, were great, plus all the mixtape stuff. You can't, you can't get mad at a cat who literally did the hustle the way the hustle should be done. He was hip-hop 101 from how he broke out to how he got in to how he kind of got blacklisted for a little bit to how he finally got signed to Aftermath and Shady. And the rest is music history. And you got to appreciate a guy like that for the hustle that he did, 150%. Right, and that was also the first concert that I ever went to as a kid was Fifty Cent. So nice, <laughs> nice. like yeah. my dude, absolutely. Well, Fifty Cent, if you're ever bored and you're listening to this podcast, uh, what up? You got two big fans right here. Well, Kevin, this has been an absolutely amazing interview. I want to thank you so much for the time that you gave me today, and I want to officially let you know you are now a member of the Straight Talk family. You have my number, I have yours. Anytime you want to come back on the show, man. It'll be an absolutely amazing conversation again, and I would love to have you. And hopefully, when the world opens up again, I'm gonna get to my gonna get my ass out to a Smash Wrestling show, and you and I are gonna meet. We're gonna shake hands. We're gonna take a picture. It's gonna be absolutely incredible. Oh man, I'm looking forward to it, man. You're right. hyping it up. Absolutely, I can't wait. Let's get to phase three. Let's get to phase four. Let's beat this this fucking disease and let's get the world back to normal and kevin in case anybody doesn't know where to follow you on the socials which if they don't they should by now because we had a whole lot of stuff to talk about today where can they find you and follow you all right so you guys can find me at uh on instagram the kevin bennett um i would say the kevin bennett on twitter but i recently had to make a new twitter because twitter has been punishing me for the last almost 10 years that i've had it so they're not putting all my tweets in people's feeds. So I had enough of it and decided to make a new one. So that is at Kevin Bennett Pro on Twitter. Kevin Bennett Pro, Pro as in short for professional. So you can find me there. And then, of course, YouTube, The Kevin Bennett Music. I'm all over YouTube, um, Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much all music streaming services. Just type me in. I should be there. Even if you type in Kevin Bennett on Google, I think I'm one of the main Kevin Bennett's that pop up. I think I'm competing against an old school boxer who went by Kevin Bennett. I think he might pop up first, but I should be there right under him. Fantastic. And as always, guys, you know my socials, but I'll sell them out again because a shameless plug is a shameless plug. You can find me on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and you can find me at on Twitter at underscore at straight or at underscore Straight Talk. And uh, Kevin, I already follow you. If you're not following me, please do, because when the episode drops, I will be tagging you in all the promotions leading up to it. And uh, again, man, thank you so much for the time. You go enjoy the rest of your evening. Give your daughter a high five for me and tell her I can't wait to meet her one day as well. And you guys stay safe over there in New York. And I hope, uh, I hope the world gets back to normal as soon as possible so we can get you back across the border and get you wrestling here in the rings again. Thank you, man. Hell yeah, 100%. All right, buddy. You take care. Enjoy the rest of your evening. All right, my man. You as well. Thank you. No problem. Bye-bye. See ya. All right, guys. What can I say? Kevin Bennett. That's a wrap. In the can. Absolutely amazing talent. Like he said, check him out on his socials. Check him out on YouTube. Check out those matches that I mentioned. Daniel Garcia, Kevin Bennett at Smash Wrestling and at ESW. And also check out the one with Speedball Mike Bailey. It's all available on YouTube. Check out his music. Check out his diss tracks. Check out everything we talked about and highlighted today. As always, I'm your host, your boy, George Mackay. Thank you so much for listening, so much for the time, so much for the love. I appreciate it all. And don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode. Follow the socials to find out every week who the next guest is. And that's it for me. 
As always, peace, love, and wrestling. Stay safe, guys. We'll see you guys next week. Peace. Thank you for listening. Tune in next week for another episode on Spreaker, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and iHeartRadio. Also follow us on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And for all our merchandise, you can search us on ProWrestlingTees.com. Oh!